Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us in this episode of ASHP's podcast on medication safety, the podcast where we discuss current trends in medication safety, regulatory issues, and best practices that improve patient care. My name is Elizabeth Wade. I'm a medication safety officer at Concord Hospital in New Hampshire. And today we're gonna be chatting with Jan Greer Carney, um, who is the Director of Nutrition at Concord Hospital to talk about the implementation of the ISMP best practice number three related to weighing patients. And we're gonna talk a little bit about how our journey at Concord Hospital has uh, been with addressing this best practice and how we were able to implement these recommendations. Thank you very much for joining us today. First, I'd like to start off with a little bit of background on this best practice. This ISMP best practice has been in place since 2014 to 2015. It's one of the original best practices and is still one of the most challenging to implement. The first goal of this best practice is to ensure as much as possible that the patient's actual weight is obtained upon each admission or appropriate encounter. Many medication doses are based on patient weight and relying on stated, estimated, or historical weights we know can cause inaccurate dosing, both on the low end and on the high end, and this was emphasized in the 2016 to 2017 update. The second goal of this best practice is to ensure that we're standardizing the measurement and communication of the patient's weight, and that's by using only metric units of measure, so getting the weight in grams or kilograms. The official product labeling for most medications um, do provide weight-based dosing using only the metric system. And we've seen significant medication errors occur and get reported across the country when the patient's weight is communicated and documented in non-metric units of measure, such as pounds or ounces, and that gets confused with kilograms or grams. Numerous mistakes have been reported in which practitioners convert a weight from one measurement system to another or weigh a patient in pounds, but accidentally document the weight in the metric field in kilograms, resulting in a 2.2-fold dosing error. So let's jump right into talking about how at Concord Hospital we tried to address this best practice. And so we're going to take a trip back down memory lane, back to 2014. And this is when Jan and I first you know, really started talking about this topic and centered around a couple of medication errors that were reported and, and some errors that she also saw from the nutrition end. So Jan, why don't we start talking about why we focused on the project back in 2015 or so? And also, if you have a chance to just reflect on that this wasn't the first time we had tried to embark on this project at Concord Hospital. It was actually 2011, 2012, when I first um, started working on this project. There had been a lot of confusion. We would have weights sent over and they wouldn't be have any units on them at all. So we'd have to call the office to see what unit it was in. I began to request that we transition as an organization in the inpatient and the outpatient system to get metric as our standard. But I met a lot of resistance in the outpatient setting. Providers were used to dealing in pounds, and they felt like patients would want to know their weight in pounds. So it was suggested that the hospital do metric and they do uh, English in the outpatient setting, which just led to even more confusion. 
So it was actually when the ISMP best practice publication came out in 2014 and 15 that we finally had the fuel to um, get this project off the, get off the ground. Yeah, um, what do you think were the most compelling reasons that led to the change? I mean, I, I know we saw lots of errors related to the weights and I remember, especially for some high alert weight-based medications like anoxaparin, and then we saw plenty related to vancomycin that we just would see doses being ordered incorrectly and weights being taken in all different manners, <laughs> using different scales even, or different methods. I mean, from your perspective, what do you think were some compelling reasons for us to make that change? So uh, I know that we had one patient who uh, was, it was an insulin dosing error, and they actually ended up spending some time in the ICU being monitored. And fortunately, we didn't have any permanent outcome from that. We also had to be really careful with the uh, babies that were withdrawing in the nursery because of five pounds and five kilos is quite a big difference for dosing there. I know we think about overdosing to be one of the biggest problems, but I know we had a case with vancomycin where the patient was underdosed, mm -hmm. so they were subtherapeutic for a period of time. We also had nutrition support errors. The one that I remember uh, most readily was where parenteral nutrition in pounds, uh, but we thought it was kilograms, so it, it had to be, you know, it was caught before it was actually hung but it was, it caused rework. You know, we had waste of an expensive medication and we had the time that it, that it took to get that done. Another error that I don't think people think very much about is the choice of equipment. Equipment all has a weight capacity on it. I actually know of a shower chair that collapsed under the weight of a patient and the shower chair had a weight capacity of 250 pounds or 114 kilograms. And that was insufficient for the patient. We learned that our standard walker was 300 pounds or 136 kilograms. Mm. And our beds would only take up to 350 pounds, which is 169 kilograms. So all these things, all these processes involve rework, which of course is a waste of resources, human and material. Also in terms of the hospital's risk adjusted acuity index, if we are, it really requires that we put in accurate weights because if we get a, we have missed coding opportunities. If we miss a BMI that's less than 18.5 or a BMI that's greater than or equal to 40. And that brings the hospital additional reimbursement. And if we, that's because it's, there's an increased cost of care involved with those patients and the staff and equipment that those patients require. Yeah, so it sounds like there were plenty of financial implications from both just even reimbursement, but also the quality and safety perspective. Yeah, and, and culturally, I just think about at the time when we talked about this change, I know you had mentioned that you know initially when we talked about getting weight in metric, there was a lot of cultural resistance to even actually getting a weight on every patient, right? At every encounter. Right. And it was just seen like, well, in the emergency department, that's not realistic or, you know, anything like that. And um, when this best practice came out, it was, it was kind of a game changer because all of a sudden, you know, we had brought this to our medication safety committee. We had representation from every area. And 
suddenly this became an imperative and it was really kind of nursing leadership coming forward and saying, we really need to do this. You and I were the, <laughs> we, we helped do the project and lead it. But, you know, I think it really came from nursing that mm -hmm. said, you know, this is, this is a six vital sign. We really need to get this right. We can't keep, you know, doing this the way we're doing. You're absolutely right. All right. So we had spent quite some time. I think this was, this project was well over a year that in, the, in the works when we worked on it. Let's talk about the goals and the scope we had. I think when we first got into it, we said, yeah, this is, this is going to be a big project, but I don't think we really had any idea until we got into it how much work was going to be involved and who we had to involve. I think one of the things that we didn't realize is that the institution had 502 scales, 62 different models, and not even all of the practices were using scales that were hospital grade. So there was a lot of work around standardization of the scales. And then we needed to develop a, an enterprise-wide policy and work instruction for weighing patients so that when that you would weigh patients with the same amount of clothing on, that the outpatients would take their shoes off and women would put their purses down and take their coats off and really get down to minimal clothing and in the hospitals making sure they didn't have the piece of equipment on the bed when they use the bed scale and that sort of thing. We also, making metric a standard, that was made tremendously easier by the fact that we were changing to a different electronic health record. And that record required that we have a standard for the institution. And so the outpatient couldn't have one, they couldn't use English and inpatient use metric. We all had to use metric. So that was sort of the, the best thing that could have happened. Yeah. Um, and we also had to educate our staff and the public um, around the issue. We did articles for the newsletter, did an article for the newspaper. Liz was interviewed by the monitor so that that could go out to the public. We did a lot of education sessions around that. Yeah, I remember the um, reporter interviewing me and the reporter was just really, seemed really surprised. Like, well, why would you even want to get a weight in kilograms? Like, how is that even useful? So just, you know, just general public, you know, not having any medical background, just really didn't understand. And so I remember reading the article and it was kind of funny. It was like, well, uh, when you go to get weighed at Concord Hospital, now you're, it, it looks like you lost a lot of weight, but it's actually just that you're getting weighed in kilograms. And it was kind of a funny way to start, but it, they did end up doing a great job kind of explaining, you know, the um, importance of the weight in metric and why you need the weight in metric and the, the safety implications. So, yeah, I thought, I thought that was a wonderful kind of PR initiative. And I do think that helped because I think when you have the support of the community, then it's easier for the staff to not have to try to explain, you know, we still had to do a lot of education, but it was a little bit easier that and culturally accepted at that point. But I, I love testing out, you know, how long lasting our policy changes have been because at every uh, provider appointment I go to, I still ask, what would you like me to do? Should I keep my shoes on or, or take my shoes off? <laughs> and yesterday I had an appointment. They had me take my shoes off. I was like, very good. <laughs> so it's still working. <laughs> I know when we talked about the equipment, that was such, oh boy, that was such a huge component of this project. And, you know, there was so much involved in the scales, 
I remember we had to kind of work with purchasing and biomed and try to pick um, a standard scale moving forward. And we thought a lot about the kinds of scale we really wanted in our ideal state. And it was interesting because every department wanted to keep the scale that they had. So we had to get a big team together and bring in the scales that met the criteria that we had set. We wanted um, the, the ability to lock the uh, scale in metric and we wanted wireless connectivity. We actually haven't gotten wireless connectivity yet. That's um, something that hopefully is on the horizon, but the ability to lock in metric was really important. So we brought in uh, several scales at a time. When we were looking at standing scales, people came down and voted on which standing scale they wanted. They tried to tip them over. They tried all sorts of things. And ultimately we chose what was going to be the hospital standard. Uh, we also chose a standard wheelchair scale, a standard infant scale, standard bariatric scales, which we wanted to be positioned around the organization so that we could act, get an accurate weight on bariatric patients. And then a standard stretcher scale. There was a grant that we were able to get from philanthropy to purchase 27 stretcher scales for the emergency department. That had been a particular barrier in getting weights on patients. They would say that they just didn't have the a way to weigh them because they were on a stretcher. So it's like, okay, well, they're on a stretcher, we can get a stretcher weight. So yeah. That's what we did. Yeah, that was that was actually very helpful in removing, that was the main barrier for the emergency department, getting weights on every patient. I think before that, they were like, that's just not going to happen. We can't get these patients, trauma patients coming in to stand up on a scale. And, and we all were like, well, that's why they make structure scales, right? But and they were so expensive. We hadn't dreamed that we'd be able to get the funding from philanthropy to be able to pay for those. So that was, that was a, also a big uh, turning point, I think, in the project that helped make it more successful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's talk about, um, you know, how we, what else we did to facilitate kind of getting our patients prepared to accept using metric. And it wasn't even just the weight. I mean, we took this to the next level. I think we ended up getting every like vital sign measurement and metric at, from that point on, height in centimeters, temperatures in Celsius. I mean, it was um, a pretty big cultural shift. So I developed a conversion chart and I had it printed, laminated and hung on every scale. And then um, they, they would fit in your pocket. So we handed them out to all of the people who weighed patients. And it had the English to metric conversion on it for one side was height and the other side was weight. And then we made them for the temperature and everything else. Uh, but those helped a lot. People felt, I, I still get calls saying we're out of the uh, pocket guides for the, for the weights. But that enabled the person weighing them to look at the card and be able to say that's so many pounds. And that seemed to help. But the, when, the, when you put the, the weight in the computer, you could only put a metric weight in. If you hovered over the weight, then it would show you what the English weight was. So you would be able mm -hmm. to, at that point to tell the patient what their weight was also. Yeah, and I think some of the admission and intake forms, there's actually a passive display right next to where you enter the weight and metric that shows all of the English conversions. So right in the moment, if someone's asking, well, what's that mean? 
someone can translate that to pounds and, and tell the patient that information right away. So I think that was helpful. I think their previous electronic health record, there were a lot of, there wasn't that capability. So that was a little bit of a challenge when we initially converted. But I remember there were all sorts of fields that like our electronic health record had built that facilitated getting improper weights too. Like there yeah, we uh, you could in a drop down you could choose standing or uh, bed scale as options. You know, and we initially we tried not to have estimated or stated as a as an option, but when people said that's what they had to use, and we ended up putting in others so that they could fill in if they had used some other method. Yeah, yeah, but before it was almost like it prompted you to put in a stated weight or estimated weight. And, right. <laughs> and we actually changed everything to say measured weight. Yes. And we were very specific in making sure that the weights that we do document and use for medication dosing and nutrition are measured and not estimated or stated. I mean, we'd have, you know, moms being asked to stand on the scale with their babies and then and then step off the scale and then weigh themselves to get the, the child's weight. And we're like, that is just not going to fly. <laughs> but, and it's interesting because... Men overstate their weight, and shockingly, women understate oh, their weight. Oh, I can't even imagine why. <laughs> but there are people who will tell you, I'm really good at estimating weights. They're only good 25% of the time. So that's so, yeah. that's incredibly low, but not surprising. Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah. And, and amazingly, I mean, there was, you know, I think we used to have doses based off some of those stated weights. And so you just wonder how accurate it is. Um, with all the work we do now in gravimetrics to try to get the IV dose just right, if we're using that based on a weight that's not even accurate, then it's all for naught. So that's just so critical. We did a lot to work on staff education and staff awareness. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we did bulletin boards all over the hospital. We did poster sessions and then newsletter articles. And then we started doing, uh, we did a lot of education, but one of the educations that's continued is the LNA day training and, the, and that new hire education. And I still continue to do both of those a- annually. Yeah, and it seems like it's, it's effective because it's been ongoing. So you can't ever retire. Because <laughs> <laughs> so that we can continue that LNA day and or new higher orientation training um, consistency. <laughs> now, I think, you know, like any change, you know, it's not perfect. And I think one of the things that I frequently get asked is, you know, what kind of errors did you continue to see after we made the shift? And I think there were, you know, because we couldn't just overnight change all of the scales across the organization, right, that would have been an astronomical expense. The agreement was, well, we've, these are the standard scales we've picked moving forward. And then as people request new scales or as we're replacing equipment or moving into new spaces and getting new equipment, these are the ones we're going to buy. And so I think there was still kind of a time frame of phase out of scales that didn't meet all of our criteria. And I remember for um, quite some time, there were still, you know, occasionally we'd find a bed scale or something where someone had switched the scale to pounds. And more often than not, and of course, then the errors that we saw before would happen again. But then more often than not, it would be, oh, well, it was because the patient wanted to know. And so I switched it, but then I forgot to switch it back. So I think we still saw a few of those. But now, now that things have phased out and it, 
took a few years, but it became more culturally accepted. I have seen very little of that. It's more of technique, right? Accidentally having something on the bed or, you know, pillow or something or not zeroing the bed. Yeah. Not zeroing the bed. Yeah. Yeah. So those are, I think the kinds of errors that we, we still see, but I I do believe that they're with much lower frequency. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously we don't have specific data based on voluntary reporting to back that up, but you know, what we are seeing is much fewer and far between than what we used to see. Okay, well, thank you, Jan, for taking the time to chat with me about our patient weight project. Oh, my pleasure. It was, um, gosh, to think back about that, I mean, now that was a few years ago, but what a what fantastic change for our organization and a fantastic change for the safety of our patients. And now it's funny, like I, I talk to people who come from other organizations and I actually asked them, I, I talked to a new uh, emergency department director the other day who came from another organization and said, oh, what do you think we get all of our weights and metric here? And he, and he said to me, well, that's not that unusual. That's what we did at my other hospital too. So I think more and more you hear about this becoming the norm, but I, I do understand that there are still some challenges out there. And I definitely you know appreciate that this is a huge change for any organization to have to make. But hopefully some of the things we talked about today resonate with you and, you know, we could take some of our learning experiences and hopefully move forward with that. But certainly, you know, I think we're open to anyone who has questions or would like to reach out to learn more and try to provide our two cents. So that's all we have time for today. Everything we have on the ISMP best practice number three on patient weights And thank you all for taking the time to listen to the podcast. And we wish you the best of luck in your patient safety journey. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.